Welcome to the Super Fantasy Bros Podcast, which is part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I am one half of the team, as always, Kevin Coleman, and I am joined by my podcast host, Jacob Dunn. Jacob, how's everything going? How was your first week? Any bad beats? How is everything going in the fantasy world? Oh, everything is great in the fantasy world. I mean, you know, I opened up the app and I saw that I won by point sixty points. So less than a point I won in my big money league and it all came down to the last game like my opponent had Tyson Williams and Justin Tucker and uh you know once they went into overtime I was like it's over because all they needed was one point to win so I got extremely lucky I'm usually on the other side of a bad beat you know a bad beat (laughs) loss but I had a great beat victory that's for sure how about you Kevin that's good. Yeah, you know, I, I did pretty well. Uh, I'm in way too many leagues as it is. I think I, I won 65% or something it was. I mean, it, it goes, it fluctuates. Uh, I won by, uh, you know, last night I, I had to watch out for Waller. And Waller had one of those performances where I had him on a couple teams, but I didn't need I didn't need him to do well. I needed Derek Carr to do well. And then, hey, lo and behold, he did do well. And I went back and forth. And Scott Fishbowl, I was playing yep. against Waller. Car and Drake and ended up winning somehow in that and that okay. I was holding on for dear life at the end. But hey, I think last night's game was a perfect everything. It was a great football game, and then on top of it being yeah. a great football game, it was also a fantasy tilt game. Like when you watch it, you got to worry right. about every little play, every little you know. Um, so it was exciting. I just happy to have football back. I watched so much football this weekend. I, I definitely have to take a break because my wife's mad at me. I hear that. You know, and also to piggyback <laughs> off of your. Monday night football game. I mean, it was so cool to see that Vegas stadium just, just, just insane. They were causing a ruckus. It was really cool to see them debut with all of their fans, like in full attendance. I mean, like they put on a show. Um, But also, as you said, my wife was getting tired of me saying, I just need Tyson Williams to not score here. I need just, I need, I need to hang on. She was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get that, Kevin, the wife, is not a huge fan of fantasy football, but they tolerate it. And that's all we can ask for, right? They tolerate it. And that's why we're here, right? So, you know, right. we're, we're getting into it. And on today's show, we're going to be covering recent news, uh, definitely some player reactions, how we worried we should be. We're bringing everything you need to know for week two. Streamers, waiver wire ads, players are disappointed in, a dynasty meter for everybody out there for panic meters, and in our lock of the week. So let's, let's get going. Here we go. All right, so week one reactions. Let's get into this. Uh, you know, and we're going to talk about a couple of players that stood out to us. And you know, it was it a mirage or was it something that we expect every week? And for me, you know, I'm going to say DeAndre Swift. Uh, I've been on the Swift chain forever. Uh, he finished his running back four this week at 24.4 points per game, fantasy points per game right now for uh, you know PBR leagues. And I, I just think like even right before we had, we me and Jacob were texting before the game started, there was that phantom report from NFL Fantasy came out like ten you know ten minutes before the game. Swifts, you know, is going to be he, he may not play, or right. if so, he's going to be limited. And I, you and me both said, I'm keeping him in. Uh, right. And we're just going to roll. And I think we did. And I won every league that I have Swift in, I won. Uh, and, you know, I kept him there and he finishes a running, top five running back option. Uh, and it was one of those things that I think when you look at the Lions, you know, I was watching that game a lot because obviously I'm invested in Swift. When you look mm-hmm. at what they don't have is they don't have outside weapons. 
they're going to lean right. on their running backs and mm-hmm. they're going to lean on that tight end and running backs this year. And that's yep. where the targets are going to go. And I, and I think when you, and when we look at that, we, we underestimated the lack of weapons on the outside that they have. I think we overestimated Tyrell Williams a little bit on, on Ross St. Brown. So right. I think DeAndre Swift, he had an excellent game and I think he's going to get better. I think that he still a little was a little limited, but it didn't look like he got hurt, banged up at all. And I, I see him still being an option and he, he outperformed his ADP. what do you think of Swift? I loved it. He actually out-targeted CMC, and I love that. He had 11 targets, and he looked fantastic. I mean, he wasn't limited. I know that Jamal Williams started the game, and he was getting all the touches at first, which was a concern. But like you said, Kevin, we we weren't worried. We kept him in because head coach Dan Campbell loves him and wants yeah. to give him the ball in space, which we saw 11 targets. That's insane. And Hawkinson also got about 11 targets and even Jamal Williams, he got his as well. So like you said, those are their three best weapons and their only weapons, you know, as <laughs> of now. So the offense is going to run through them. I thought, I thought Swift looked great and I didn't think, I mean, you would have never guessed that he had that groin injury. He looked fantastic. No, I mean, Jamal Williams is there, and he finished his running back two this week. That right. won't obviously last, but he got nine targets there. I do think that Swift's the guy that owned, but I also think that Jamal Williams has standalone starting power, and yep. especially in that offense. So I'm good with either one of those. Right on. Yeah, and so my guy who I was extremely impressed with is Amari Cooper, your boy, Kevin. The Cowboys he looked did. fantastic last Thursday. Everyone on that offense, except for Zeke, but we all saw that coming with the Buccaneers front. So, uh, you know, Amari Cooper, he was injured all offseason. So you were most likely getting him at a discount like me. Like I got him in the middle of the fourth round. You know, I chose him actually over Mike Evans. (laughs) So seeing them both play and having Cooper go off and Mike Evans put up a dud, that was that was a fantastic feeling like that was like. Okay, because I was in between those two because that was going to be my first wideout because I drafted three RBs in a row. And I was like, okay, I need a wide receiver one. And Cooper has that upside despite the injury. And I got him at a discount. And boy, am I glad I did. Um, You know, his route running was incredible as always. You know, his health and his skills were on full display on a a very good Bucks defense as well. Uh, You know, I think... I think that sky is the limit for Cooper. As long as Dak stays healthy, Cooper can not only be a wide receiver one, I see him, I see him consistently being in the top 10. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I think that, and they're going to throw a ton. We That's what we just saw, right? We saw yep. what their game plan was against. Now that Bucks game plan could have been like that because of the, you know, how good their defense is. Offensive line was a little banged up. Right. But when you look at what they did and look at like their volume that they had, you know, their offense, when you look at just total passing plays, completions, what you saw there, you had 58 times through the ball. Cooper's yeah. going to be there. And, and now with Michael Gallup injured, I, I do like Cedric Wilson. And I, I actually have him on a couple of rosters just because as nice. a Dallas fan, I've known about him. I still think, you know, if, if Cedric's going to be there, he'll get targets, but it's going to go to Cooper and Lamb now. So now, and I think now what you're going to see is Lamb's going to play out of the slot a little bit more. Right. So now I think that helps Lamb out too. But yeah, Cooper, man, he had a hell of a game. Uh, and, you know, he has that. And so we, yeah. we already talked about it. I think Cooper and Lamb can both be wide receiver ones on that team. I, I yep. really do. I think they can finish there. Uh, my next guy that I thought did well, and I think that is going to be a waiver wire guy, and I know you're going to talk about him later, but that's Kenneth Gainwell. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought that, you know, for me, 
Kenneth was someone that I I liked for a long time coming out of high, um, out of college. I wrote about him a lot, and I always thought he had there, but he didn't get that draft capital, so everybody kind of soured on him a little bit. But he's the running back two on that team. I, I fully believe yeah. that he's that Boston Scott role that we always think of him in there. Uh, you know, he had 37 yards rushing and a touchdown. He had three targets, so and he had 12.3 points per game in PPR formats. Uh, I think that he is someone who's going to have some good value moving forward. I thought Miles Sanders looked good, though. Like, I did think that, that he finally kind of came out of his shell. But I, I like Gainwell. I think that he, it's a positive sign for him. And I think in Dynasty, he's a definitely guy that you, you obviously need to hold on to because I think he's going to have some standalone value here. He kind of reminds you of, like, a Kareem Hunt type. Mm-hmm. At, like at prospect I wouldn't say necessarily player because I hate player comps so I don't try to do them but just someone that you know you're going to be able to rely on in that role that he's in right now comparable right. to like what Nick Chubb is yeah and I'll touch up on this later but the Philadelphia Eagles are definitely going to be in a lot of negative game scripts which definitely bodes well for Kenneth Gainwell uh, so, uh, my second guy I, I was extremely impressed with is Debo Samuel he finished as a wide receiver three and had 31.9 points in a PPR league. Insane. And Samuel, he hauled in nine of 12 targets and had 189 yards and a score. He got a target per like 48% of the routes he ran. He, he got a target. So almost half of his routes, he saw a target. So that is a recipe for a wide receiver one that like he looked insanely explosive, which we talked about all off season, Kevin, like mm-hmm. he has all the talent in the world. It's just, he has, he has to stay healthy. That is his number one. That That is his number one issue. So if he stays healthy and Jimmy G stays healthy, then there's no reason why he can't put up top 20 numbers all year, even when Ayuk gets reintegrated into this offense, which is inevitable. Everybody stop freaking out. Uh, but uh, yeah, so sky is the limit for Debo as well as, as it is for Cooper and, and the 49ers have shown that, you know, like they can throw and they will throw, even though they are a run first team, they can throw and they have the weapons to do so. And I'm impressed that Debo didn't have one of his signature like end arounds like all game like this was all through the air which which is extremely impressive because he's going to get those end arounds uh sooner which 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 will raise his floor so i think that he can be a reliable wide receiver to flex option the rest of the season as long as he's healthy you know, I, I think he, he played great. I, I'm in so many leagues. It was funny uh, that I knew I had him on a roster, Jacob, but I couldn't <laughs> find him. I was like, That's all great. right, where is he? Because I know I started him somewhere out here, and I did. Yeah. I found him finally. Um, and, yeah, he did. He had a great game. I think and that, he won, no doubt, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, we won, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the one thing that I will say based on, like, just what Debo said, uh, there's injuries now in that running back backfield, which we'll talk about. I do think he'll get some of those end rounds that we talked about. He's yeah. going to get – I think he. Ha- I think that as long as he stays healthy, like you mentioned, even with Trey Lance being there, like, he's going to get targets. And so that's what you like to see. Uh, and so, yeah, Debo, ha- Debo played great. Just, hey, please, fantasy gods, keep him healthy yeah. because that's the that's the key there. Um, oh, yes. Now, there is a there's a trend with me and Jacob. I like going for deeper guys. He likes the he he's a, he's a hey I wanted the top guys. One of my guys that I actually kind of like um, Zach Pascal from the Indianapolis Colts. You know, and I picked him up in like three leagues prior to this week because I, when Hilton went down, I said okay, I know that Pascal's there. I know Pascal played pretty well last year where you saw where he finished in the season. So I actually had him. 
I didn't start in many leagues because I'm an idiot, but I did pick him up (laughs) prior to doing this. Uh, Now, in Scott Fishbowl, I picked him up and didn't play him because, you know, dang it. But at least I have him now. I don't have to waste any fab on him. Uh, He finishes wide receiver 16. He had 20.3 points per game in this one. Obviously, he scored two touchdowns. That's not going to be sustainable sustainable for the next. Obviously, the touchdown regress is going to come. But I do think that when you look at, like, I know Taylor and Himes, they they finished with seven and eight targets each. Uh, I, so I understand that the running back is going to get targets, but Zach Pascal is the only wide receiver to get targeted at least five times. Mm-hmm. So that says something to me. I do think that they're going to be there. So uh, he had five targets and 69 snaps. He played 91% uh, and still fewer than Pittman. So like he still caught out there. He was out there way more than Pittman. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like what he did there. Uh, and he was the only one with more than three receptions. So for me, right. when I'm watching him and I'm watching him play, if what Hilton is still out and obviously he's going to be Pascal's the guy that you grab. And again, that kind of hurts me with Paris, but I think Paris Campbell's done. I think it's going to be Pascal's yeah. kind of roll in there with Pittman. And then they're going to just rotate those tight ends and then they have the running backs. But I think Pascal's a sneaky ad in all formats. Yeah. Pascal is not, is not a sexy name. Like he, he doesn't carry that name value that everyone is excited about but he gets the job done i mean like i talked about this when you know like we were thinking that paris was probably going to step up just because he has that name recognition he has that high draft pick status and it's just like okay it's now it's now or never with with ty hilton gone but this was always this was always i don't want to say like a risk but this was always in the realm of possibilities of zach Pascal stepping up and being that reliable safety for Carson Wentz. And he stepped up in the red zone. Uh, so it seems like Zach Pascal is the red zone priority for Wentz, which carries a lot of value. And what you said earlier, Kevin, you may not have started him, but now you don't have to waste any fab on picking him up. You don't have to waste a waiver priority. And that is the beauty of making those ads on Sunday morning. It's like, why not? If you have some dead weight on your bench, you know, why not pick up those high upside guys, especially in week one, where it's like, why not? Because now you can beat out your league mates to yeah. to to the waiver wire, and you can seem like an absolute genius when somebody searches to add him and it says that you actually roster him it's like oh man that guy that guy is super smart that kevin he he already rostered zach pascal that son of a gun knew what we didn't like that's incredible and that's what makes you a fantasy expert kevin you were ahead of all your league mates and i love it zach pascal he looked great i love the pick yeah, I mean, you could call me an expert, but I also stand at Brandon Ayuk, which we'll talk about a little bit. So there is there is a little bit of that. But no, I, I agree. I think <laughs> being ahead of these things where you don't have to waste all this fab and waste all this stuff, that's why we do it. And that's why we give you these names and we talk right. about them. Uh, who is the uh, last guy for you that you felt like had a great, a great and maybe a f- going forward here? All right, so my last guy here is good old Tom Brady. I am just so impressed about how good he looked, how strong his arm looked at age 44. I mean, he's like seven years older than Aaron Rodgers, yet he looked 10 years younger than Aaron Rodgers physically and in the way that he played. Um, You know, like Tom Brady, you know, he threw for 379 yards with four touchdowns and two picks, but one of those picks was a Hail Mary at the last second before halftime, and the other pick was a tipped 
a tipped ball screen by Leonard Fournette. So those weren't even, you know, you know, one was his fault, but that was just like a Hail Mary shot. And then it was Leonard's fault in the other one. So, I mean, he had an incredible game. Uh, You know, he already looks like he's in mid season form, you know, like with, with the chemistry that he has with Godwin and with Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, just on a side note, I trust him as a wide receiver two going forward. And, you know, even though he is still technically the wide receiver three on that team, Brady looked his way so much like and Brown looked spry. He looked elusive. He looked he looked great. So I really like him moving forward. I would definitely I would definitely put him in your starting lineup as at least a flex because um, I believe he has a high floor and a very high ceiling as well. Um, I think that Brady is capable of these numbers every week if need be. Now the Buccaneers don't have the luxury of facing the Cowboys every week where, you know, they're they're you know, like they're going to score on the Cowboys, but the Cowboys offense is so high power. They will score back. Like that's not going to be an every week thing, you know, like looking ahead to week two, the Bucks face the Falcons. So Brady is not necessarily going to be a rock solid quarterback one, just because he could be done by mid third quarter. But I still think that he will do enough damage by the third quarter to still be, you know, a serviceable start this week. Uh, but it's good to see that Tom Brady can put up those numbers when he when he has to. And he is going to have to this year a few times. Like they play the Saints a couple times. Uh, and, you know, like they face um, a lot of good teams. There's just like some weeks where he's not going to be as needed. And that's when you can stream. So, You know, like we're going to have those streaming options every single podcast every week, just in case you want another option. Uh, But Brady, man, he looked impressive. I don't know how he's, I mean, I I know he has this health regimen. He has a fountain of youth. He made, he made a deal with the devil. Uh, I don't know what he did, but he looks incredible, man. It's all those, it's all those uh, smoothies from whatever he's drinking from. That's what he is. It's his workout plan. I need to get on that really quick because he's out here just, (laughs) he's out here just grinding this away. I I give him credit, you know, uh, and I think one thing though, I I like that you said Antonio Brown, which I think they do have a good connection. Uh, That whole trying to figure out who's going to get the targets in that wide receiver room, Brown, Evans, and Godwin, even Gronk. Uh, and as soon as OJ Howard kind of gets in the mix and we're talking about these guys, it's going to yeah. be kind of, it's going to be a pain. Like it's going to be something that you're going to have to deal with all year. If you draft one of those guys, like I have Mike Evans on a couple of rosters, uh, that's going to be a tough like decision. Like, okay, Hey, w- at what point do we end up not starting him? Sure. Uh, because we know he's going to get five points, but you know, the day, week you're not going to start him. He's going to get 20 and you're just right. going to be kicking yourself. But I think that's going to be the difficult thing, but Brady has all his options. So this is about Brady. Brady's going to be, Brady's going to be fine. That's right. All right. Let's go to some players that disappointed us. And maybe if we need to be worried about him for me, Brandon, Ayuk is number one, damn it, Brandon, like, you know, and it seemed uh. like this came out of nowhere really. And it's not, and it seems like he's in the doghouse. and, and, you know, Shanahan basically said that, you know, he had a, he had an okay camp. He came out ready to go. And then he, it seems like he dropped off. And this was kind of one of those, uh, message the you know he sent a message saying hey we don't need you Hmm. you know one thing about kyle shannon he kind of seems like a dick i'll be 100 honest everybody out there he (laughs) seems like a hard ass like and if you get into his doghouse it it, from everything i've read it's been extremely hard to get out of it so Ayuk isn't about play it's about is he in shanahan's doghouse will he get out and if you look at sherfield these other guys that stepped up debo stepped up uh i will i do think he's he's gonna get out but 
my confidence for me starting him next week is waning. I don't know what to do entirely next week. I am not starting him anywhere. And Kevin, I was riding that, that stand train with you. Ayuk was in for a huge year and that's how, you know, we saw all these highlights in training camp, albeit it was from Trey Lance to Ayuk, but still, I mean, like by all accounts and like the beat, uh, the beat reporters in San Francisco all said that Ayuk was having a great camp too. Uh, So, you know, like this came out of complete, like complete left field. Like we, like, Nobody saw this coming. And then he said something like, Ayuk has to learn to be a pro. It's like he had a fantastic rookie season where he carried your receiving core when everyone else was hurt. I think he knows how to be a pro here, Kyle. Like, so yes, Kyle Shanahan is carrying like that Bill Belichick mentality of like, hey, if you are in my doghouse, I don't care if you are Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl when, you know, like Bill infamously benched his number one corner in the Super Bowl. And there was no explanation why, like they're like, did he miss curfew? No, he was just in the doghouse for pro- probably something random. Like he didn't share, he didn't share his corn with him at lunch. And it's like, nope, you're in my doghouse. You're not starting in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan said, Ayuk, you are not playing at all. Even though you're healthy and you're on the 53 man roster, you're not playing, which, which is crazy. And he did the same thing to Trey Sermon. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know where that came from. Like, all of this is coming out of left field. And if you started Ayuk and or Sermon, I'm sorry. I feel for you because I started Ayuk in like three leagues and it hurt to see that goose egg on each one of those leagues. Now I was able to win one of those, but uh, well, I was able to win two of those, but then one, it, it was just like, no, like I needed that production and it wasn't there. So Ayuk, I'm definitely not starting next week. I have to see him actually on the field before I actually trust him to play. You, have to bench him even if it's for like a wide receiver four five type guy like until further notice yeah i don't know i you know i mean i like to risk things like i don't know like i will see i haven't decided yet Uh, what i'm gonna do yet i haven't decided yet because i can see how you come out next week and having that game and you're sitting there like dang it i should have started it It depends on roster it depends on their size like obviously right. if you have guys that you know can be a reliable wide receiver two ish three like i get yeah. it i understand but in deeper leagues dynasty leagues, you never know sometimes you have to go with that wide receiver uh who is your guy who's one of your guys that you feel like disappointed and if are you worried about him? one of my guys is aaron jones he finished as an rb 55 with 2.2 points uh, so, you know, yeah. the whole Green Bay offense just looked atrocious. They didn't look in sync. They looked like they had just met the night before and said, all right, guys, we're, we're a bunch of talented people. Let's just see if we can do it. You know, like they just looked awful. They were not in sync. Uh, you know, like this could be like some repercussions from Aaron Rodgers missing all of training camp. Now, Rodgers did play in the preseason, but perhaps they – they needed that extra time to get that timing down and to get that offense down. So it just, it was such a brutal game to watch. Um, You know, like Jones just had five carries for nine yards uh, and had two catches for 13 yards. So even in a negative game script, he wasn't even targeted that much. He was just targeted twice. He caught both, both of those balls, but you know, he averaged 1.4 yards per carry. So Aaron Jones was ineffective, but so was Rodgers, so was Tunyon, so was, so was Adams. I mean, like this was just a bad game for the Packers as a whole. I just wanted to highlight Jones because it was surprising to see him not get more targets in such a negative game script. Uh, but, 
there is light at the end of the tunnel. They face the Detroit Lions on Monday night football. So I expect a bounce back from the whole Packers offense, especially Jones. Jones is sticking in my top 10 this week, heading into week two. Yeah, I mean, and that's a big hit for guys that took Jones. Running back six, uh, and that's where he was going. I mean, that's a huge hit for, you know, people out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I think it will obviously relegate back to the mean, and obviously the Lions are are terrible. Uh, But, you know, you have that area there. Now, um, the one guy, the one wide receiver that I think I was a little disappointed in, Kenny Galladay. And it's not necessarily about Kenny Galladay. Like, you know, he finishes wide receiver 53, 10.4 points per game in PPR, which is not good. Uh, but what the thing I would say about Galladay is, you know, I think I'm more worried about his offensive system. Daniel Jones, when you looked at what Daniel Jones did, he was okay. He was 22 for 37. They were throwing a lot, though, because they gave script. They lost to Denver, obviously. Completion percentage was down. And then what happened was, because all of the attention was going to Galladay, Sterling Shepard had a great game. He had nine right. targets, seven receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably some familiarity with, with Shepard with yeah. Jones rather than Galladay, who was out basically the whole preseason. So it's going to take some time there for Galladay, but I was definitely disappointed. I was hoping he'd get a touchdown um but i think one of those things is gonna be more of a long range thing a long game here with uh galladay just because of that that injury and that lack of reps in, in the preseason and that's and that's exactly why i saw this game coming i didn't necessarily th- think he had a terrible game like i was yeah. expecting just like a mediocre game but if he were to have fallen in into the end zone then he would have had like a solid wide receiver two game right so, you know, he still saw six targets. He got four catches for 64 yards. You know, when we were doing the sit-start show last Sunday, uh, he was an option amongst, like, wide receiver fours and wide receiver fives and flyer RBs. And, and like, our answer was, like, yeah. it's, not, it's not going to be pretty, but Kenny Galladay has, you know, a decent floor. Uh, so... This might just be the line that you see on most games, like 64 yards, four, six catches, you know, like this might be the line. But in those games that he falls into the end zone, which I think that he will see the end zone probably six to eight times this year, uh, you know, he's going to have those wide receiver two weeks. But you might be disappointed if he is your stone cold wide receiver two every week. Yeah, no, I I, I think so. That's why. But but to me, he was getting drafted was wide receiver three. Like, I really feel yeah. like he was getting kind of drafted in that. I, I, I thought he was a value. Yeah. I think he was going wide receiver three, four. So, like, you have time. Like, relax, everybody out there. Right. KG. I'm just yeah. saying I was disappointed. Wanted to see a little bit more from him. New, new <laughs> You know, especially I haven't seen Galladay. It feels like for two years. So, I definitely right. want to see him out there on there. So, uh, who is your last guy for disappointed? And we can kind of get into waivers and kind of go over injuries and all that. Okay, yes. I was super disappointed in Najee Harris. He finished as the RB 41. He got 4.9 points, but at halftime he had eight attempts for nine yards. Like it was looking like a dumpster fire game for him. So he sort of made up for it just with like a few yards here and there. But the thing is that he never left the field. He played on every single offensive snap, which is a huge bright side. So if you drafted Najee in the late first or, or, or early second, I would not panic. Again, he played every single offensive snap. He got 17 touches, which is an which is an insane amount of touches. That is a workhorse touch, and he might get more moving forward because let's look at his next two matchups. He 
he goes back home and faces the Raiders and the Bengals, both whom finished in the bottom 10 in rushing yards allowed in 2020. So I see Najee Harris having two incredible RB1 games back-to-back in weeks two and three. And if you can buy low on him, now is the time because he is a rookie and the Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive line looked awful, yada, yada, yada. I've heard it all. But, you know, you don't have to have a great offensive line to – run on the Raiders and run on the Bengals. Okay. I am telling you right now. And also, um, you know, just there aren't a lot of running backs who get 15 plus touches every week. And that's what Najee is going to get. So there better days to come for Najee Harris. So don't panic if you roster him and buy low on him if you can. So I got this question. I might as well put you on a spot since you're talking about Najee Harris. Who would you rather start in PPR next week, Najee or DeAndre Swift? Oh, uh, I already have Najee a little bit ahead of Swift uh, just because I expect that much of a bounce back game. Now, Swift is only a few spots right under him, you know, because I because like Swift in a PPR, I mean, getting eight receptions on 11 targets. I mean, he's going to have a very high floor. I just think that Najee is going to bust out next week. Now it's close and I can see the argument going for Swift, especially after what he just did last week. Uh, I just trust Najee a little bit more with a safer floor with no Jamal Williams breathing down his neck. But, but Hey, Hey, that is not stopping me from starting Swift because on one team I have Najee Harris and Swift and I am, and I am loving life right now because I know that week two is going to be a smash for both of those guys. I just lean right. Najee next week. That's fair. I have to ask other people because my my blinders for uh, Swift get me in trouble sometimes. Uh, all right. So I, we want to go over Andrew Watch, and then we'll go to waiver ads and talk about that. Uh, you know, uh, man – I, I know you're feeling happy. Your team won on Sunday and everything looked good. Yeah. Uh, you know, Teddy was out there just slinging it. Yeah. And then Jerry Judy got hurt and it looked worse than I guess it was. Uh, I saw it and I mean, it's still bad. It's a high ankle sprain. Seems like he got an MRI. Yeah. They said four, six, eight weeks, but we know what high ankle sprain means. That's like right. the, the black mark of, you know, you get it on your hand and you know, you're going to die back in the old days. Like it's not good for wide receivers. Uh, you know, for me, a question for you is especially redraft because I don't do redraft a lot. And so in some leagues, they don't have an IR. And I know that. And then yeah. even Scott Fishbowl, they don't have an IR. Do we drop duty or do you hold on to them hoping that you can kind of, you know, you'll be fine with plugging guys in? If your benches aren't deep, though, do you do you keep him or do you get rid of him? So in an 8, 10 and 12 team league without an IR, you drop him immediately. Like okay. there is no use in holding on to dead weight when you can get some upside picks who could turn out to be studs for you later, especially, you know, if you can pick up a Tim Patrick, who is his backup in Denver, he's going to be solid because Teddy loves Tim Patrick. We saw that he loves those, you know, like those just grinded out wide receivers and Tim Patrick is not a sexy name, but he's going to get the job done. So eight, 10 and 12 team leagues, I would straight up drop him just because As you said, Kevin, I, you know, like their uh, high ankle sprains are deadly. I mean, it was almost a fracture. It came this close, but it was just considered a sprain. Uh, But all athletes want to come back way too soon from a high ankle sprain, i.e. Saquon Barkley two years ago. He came back in like four weeks and was awful the rest of the year. 
Uh, so I think it depends on how the Denver Broncos are doing in the standings. If they keep on winning, then they might just rush out Judy. But if they if they stay mediocre, which I expect them to do, you know, like just like stay at stay at like that 500 number. I think that they're they are going to put the kid gloves on and just wait, you know, the full six weeks, if not more, if he needs more time. Like they're not going to they're not going to risk their prize, their prize wide out on a quick return. Um, now, Kevin, in like a 14 team league, a 16 team league, like if you're in a crazy huge league, and in the Scott Fishbowl, I'm holding him because I because because there are no free agents available in those leagues. Like it is slim pickings. Now, if you can bid high and get like Mitchell, or if you can get Patrick, then yes, I say you make that move because every win counts. You can't just rely on you winning every week because that's a very very competitive league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I would not even mess with that in trying to hold them if you can get Patrick or someone that you know is going to get that wide receiver to work. Um, other than that, if you don't have an IR spot, guys, and you are in a shallow league up to twelve leagues, I'm dropping him. Okay, that's fair. I think I agree. You brought up Tim Patrick. Like you know, last year yeah. we saw him. Last year have I think it was five games. He had over twelve and a half PPR fantasy points. Yeah, and he had those. He had those big games. I believe this guy's the Jets. I think he did well. I think he had one hundred thirteen yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at what he did against like KC. I know he had a couple of touchdowns there. Like he's a legitimate option. So keep an eye for Patrick. And I know I have Patrick in a couple of places. Big kid, six four two twelve. Uh, that's kind yeah. of Teddy's. That's Teddy's thing. That's Teddy's. Right. Uh, go-to guy there. All right. Who do you, what injury do you have? And it will kind of transition to waivers. So we got to bring up Raheem Mostert. Now <laughs> initial reports was that he was just going to miss eight weeks. You know, he was going to be put on the IR. He, he was going to miss eight weeks, but he tweeted out today that he's going to miss the whole season. He just opted into having season ending knee surgery, uh, which is such a bummer because he started off that he started off last week's game so hot, and I'm sure if you are listening to this right now and you roster him, you you are just you are just extremely bummed. I feel for you. I'm sorry. Uh, you know he he was averaging 10 yards per carry, and then he goes down. We all knew that he was an injury risk, but not this soon. Not not you know in the first or second quarter of the first week of the season. Like that's insane. Uh, but you know that definitely clears up whether you should add. Elijah Mitchell or not, right? Yeah, yeah. No. I, so, okay. So, how much you give away for Elijah Mitchell? Let's talk about waiver wire ads. That's going to be the number one. That's going right. to be tomorrow. You know, to whatever time you're, you guys are going out there. Uh, you know, what would you do with Elijah Mitchell? Is that your number one guy you're going after on waivers right now? Look, he wasn't until Raheem Mostert declared himself out for the season. Now he's my number one, and I would, I would spend as much fab as you think that you need to secure him. Like I'm saying like, if you need a running back, like you are desperate for one, I wouldn't mind putting 80% to, you know, let's go crazy. I mean, like let's go 90% (laughs) because you are not guaranteed this type of workload later in the season. Like a lot of people like to like to save their fab. I get it. But you know, like you're saving it all season all of a sudden it's week 15 and you're like, oh shoot, if only I would have spent up on, you know, a potential league winner in Mitchell, I would be in the playoffs and not just fighting for a playoff spot or even out of it. I'm saying you got to go for it right now. You 
have to spend up. So I wouldn't mind spend, you know, like if you think that you can get away with 50%, go for it. But that's probably not going to do it. There, there, there are some people in your league, most likely. I mean, in my league, there's a lot of people who just, who, who are gamblers. They'll just go for it. There's, there's like, I need this guy. I'm not going to let anyone else get him. That's another thing. If you don't spend enough, then someone else is going to get him and, and probably beat you to the punch You know, or, or like beat you when they face you. So I'm just saying that Mitchell has a lot of work ahead of him. And we don't know if it's going to be um, Sermon or Hasty who's going to be, you know, his 1A or 1B. But Elijah Mitchell is who we thought Trey Sermon was going to be heading into the season. He is that right now. He's either going to be the 1A or he's going to be the 1B if Kyle Shanahan wants to do weird things and put Sermon as the 1A now. Like, we don't know what's going to happen in San Francisco, but we do know that Elijah Mitchell, his job is safe. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I, des- I definitely think that, like, so he's in a few of my leagues that I, I saw. He's actually on the waiver. Yeah, you know, for me, I'm not going higher than, like, 30%. So, and I'm more conservative here on this one, just because I don't trust Shanahan and that kind of that committee backfield that he likes to do. And I, you know, to me personally, I, it depends on the league, but league type, what I have found is in my dynasty leagues, Mitchell's gone, but hasty's there and he's not very high. So when you look at like what he has, he's only 1% rostered, obviously in these leagues, you know, I would maybe spend a little bit less money on Hasty and go for it. And then if you're really – now, if you need a running back like you talked about, I don't have a problem with it. I get it. That could be like James Robinson, right? We, we mentioned yeah. these guys like that happened last year. But if you don't necessarily need a running back right now and you feel like you can maybe add Hasty and have him kind of, you know, be in your be in your running back room and just be that guy, if Mitchell maybe doesn't pan out, Hasty gets could get easily a touchdown or two of these games that we're talking about. If yeah. Sermon comes there, now I'm glad you brought up Sermon in Dynasty. I'm oh man, that's my target. Okay. I will go after Sermon all day okay. now. Now it's time. I wasn't drafting his ass when he was going like the 110 and, and, and rookie drafts. Like that right. was way too high for people. But I do think that this is time where you can maybe grab Sermon, especially as like weeks one, two, three, four get to it. Let's say Sermon doesn't do anything by week four. Okay. Now I'm going to really go after him because now those teams that have Sermon might be competing. Now sure. I can go grab him for something cheaper. Maybe I can get Hasty now and trade him for Sermon because maybe Hasty will have a couple touchdowns. Like use these guys, yeah. use these values. But I, I think Hasty is a sneaky little play. Maybe not this week, but like we talked about earlier, get ahead of the game. Maybe you grab Hasty this week and just stash him, and then maybe he goes off next week. And now we're talking about Hasty, and it's like, oh, I already have him. If you roster Elijah Mitchell in a dynasty league, would you trade? Elijah Mitchell straight up for Trey Sermon right now. I'd keep Trey. I'd keep Trey. No, no, no. Like, let's say, like, let's say I have Mitchell and it's like, okay, I want to capitalize. I'm going to offer Elijah Mitchell for Trey Sermon. I'd take Trey. I would take Trey. I think Trey, I I like Elijah Mitchell. It's fine. But there's a reason why Elijah Mitchell got drafted where he got drafted. And there's a reason why Trey Sermon got he drafted where he got drafted. And I, even though Shanahan is the way he is, Sermon's a better talent. I really do believe that. I know Mitchell's fine. He looked fine, but everybody looks fine in that offense. I do think that Sermon will be the better talent overall. I agree with that for sure. So who, who, who is a guy that you are targeting on the waiver wire? Yeah, so Hasty's one of them, but I'm just going to do. I'm going to pair these guys together, and I can't believe I'm doing it because they're Texans. But Tyrod Taylor, QB eleven, 
23 points per game. He looks fine. He has that rushing upside. I'm not saying that you need to grab him in one quarterback leagues if it's, if it's a soft bench, but you know, when you, when you look at what he has, I I like being able to draft him. Like, you know what? They, they look good. He was 21 of 33, 29 yards and two touchdowns. Now he's not going to play the Jaguars every week, but even then he's facing the Browns in week two and he's still worth, I think he's still worth adding in deep leagues and you can get him and you, and you can, and you can capitalize on his value right now. Uh, especially yeah. in dynasty, I would capitalize on that for needy teams, especially look for the Fitzpatrick owner who didn't grab third quarterback in super flex leagues and mm-hmm. trade up Tyrod Taylor right now for a first. That's what you do. Like you got to find him there, but I don't mind adding this guy. I, I, you know, I asked you before, you know, we, we do help each other out. And I said, Hey, who would you start Baker or Tyrod? Uh, you know, and I just, for some reason I stuck with Tyrod and, and, and I know you had said Baker, right. but I was like, you know, I just have this feeling that Taylor's going to go off or not go off, but he, yeah. he did fine. Um, and then also Mark Ingram. And I looks like Mark Ingram's going to be the running back one on that team. As much as us Philly, you know, Philip Lindsay stands out here. Um, it looks <laughs> right. like Ingram's going to get that workload right now. Yeah. So, and David Johnson, man, I hope he didn't draft David Johnson. We talked about not drafting David Johnson. I'm, right. I'm hoping everybody listened. Uh, but yet, you know, Ingram had 26 carries on, on Sunday and 85 right. yards on a touchdown. Like he's going to be that guy. And, you know, he had eight times the number of attempts than David Johnson did. So he's the lead back. So give yeah. me Ingram. And yeah. I think that he's worth a stat or add to yeah yeah i agree i think i think that philip Lindsay, you can drop him uh you know like he did <laughs> score but he only had eight carries for 25 yards in that positive game script now mark ingram is not going to have 26 carries for the you know like a game like you said but having that volume their safety in that volume and mark ingram has a nose for the end zone so like you said i like that ad uh, I would go after Mitchell first, but Ingram is a close second. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I agree. No, I agree there. Uh, but Ingram's there. He's there for you. Um, do you yeah. have anybody else before we go? Yes. I want to touch up on Kenneth Gainwell one more time. As you said, he scored 12.3 fantasy points. He is rostered in 32% of sleeper and 9% of Yahoo. Uh, I mentioned Gainwell last podcast as a potential stash. Uh you know, I thought that he would be the de facto pass catching back. And we saw that he was, uh, you know, in Boston Scott, he was not a part of the offensive game plan. It, yeah. As you said, it was the miles and the Gainwell show. Uh, so, you know, moving forward, those are the two guys to the two guys to roster in Philly in a negative game script. Gainwell could post useful flex numbers or even RB two numbers. If, you know, just because, if Philly gets down, it's going to be Gainwell because Sanders has proven that he can't catch the ball. He struggle he struggles with drops, and the Eagles love Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, so, I I personally I'm I am actually I am actually debating on whether to start Saquon Barkley or Kenneth Gainwell in my <laughs> flex. The only reason you know I'll you know like I'll bring this up yeah. is that Barkley he's going on a short week to Washington, a very tough defense. And we saw that the Giants were true to their word and only gave him 10 carries. And he took those 10 carries for 26 yards. Uh, So do I want another stinker or do I want that potential high upside in Gainwell and, and and just bench Barkley? I mean, like I was hoping that the Giants were liars and just like worked Barkley into the ground and that Barkley was more healthy than they thought. And, you know, like he was going to get 20 touches per game. That is not the case. They are handling him with kid gloves. I don't think that Barkley is anything more than 
you know, a what the heck flex or like a low end RB two until like week, week four or five, you know, like a month into the season. So if you have an issue like that, or like an injury prone player, uh, I mean, I'm grabbing Gainwell everywhere. I already roster him everywhere because that was my, that was my stash guy, but I would grab him. If you can't grab Mitchell, um, I would try to grab Ingram. And then I would try to grab Gainwell and hope that you get one of those guys because I really like Gainwell, especially in a PPR league. I'm going for Gainwell second above Mark Ingram. Hey, I like that. No, I do. And I think they're going to use him in the slot as well. Like, I do yeah. think that they're going to get him out. They're going to use him. He played like that in, in, in college. People forget that he was a, he was just as good as a receiver as he was a running back. So they're going to use him right. in that offense. And I think they like him. Um, and that's all, That's why I always liked him in terms of just fantasy purposes. Right. He was my running back three um, or four, excuse me. And so that's that's kind of how I look at him. So I like that call. Uh, now, we always want to go over it. So those are our waiver ads uh, and guys that you should take a look at. Again, we're going to be putting this out tonight. It's Tuesday night. I'm going to be getting out late tonight. So I hope you listen to it in the morning if, you, if your waiver eyes are there. But I also want to talk real quick about Dynasty Panic Meter. We're going to do a little bit of a segment on this. Is How worried are we about some of these guys? And I hate doing panic meters. You know what else I hate more than anything else? Buy and sell after one week. If I read one more <laughs> – yeah. Buy and sell article after one week of football, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, but I do think that there are some some people that we got to talk about a little bit. So Saquon Barkley, you mentioned him. I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, I'm not worried about Saquon right now. In Dynasty, I'm not worried about him. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be fine. They're going to ease his way back into this. So please do not sell Saquon Barkley for undervalue. Like you just need to wait, be patient. Uh, and I think that's one. I think you know we're. In a way, all of us are gamblers, especially if we play fantasy. We like right. to gamble. It, it may not be money. It's value. It's smart, whatever. Uh, you know, to me, you're not going to get anything of value for Saquon that he's worth. So don't panic about him. He's going to be okay. That offensive line panics me a little bit, but Saquon as a talent is fine. Next guy is Ezekiel Elliott. We saw Ezekiel Elliott, on, uh, obviously, on Thursday night. As a Cowboy fan, you know, we both on here said he's a touchdown. You got to hope he gets a touchdown. He almost did. I'm not as worried. To me, he's a sunken asset already. So you might as well just roll with him this year. Like you're going to have to because you're not going to get that value. Now, your hope is maybe towards the middle of the season, if you need to offload into a competing team, the time to offload him is going to be weeks 10, 11, 12. Those are your optimum get rid of Zeke weeks because those are the weeks where guys are going to be going for the playoffs, going for that role. So if Zeke has running back two upside at that point, that is the best value you're going to get. So if you're going to offload Zeke at any point, it's weeks 10, 11, and 12. Not now, not later. That's it. Or he's going to die on your roster. So you have to either decide, am I a real contender at weeks 10, 11, 12, or do I need to get rid of this guy? Um, and then the next one's Denzel Mims, man, poor Denzel Mims. Uh, I don't know what happened to Denzel Mims. Uh, you know, he, 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 he's, he's one I am going to be worried about. Uh, you know, I know he lost some weight. We had those things, uh, you know, Denzel Mims only played three snaps on Sunday. So, and that was with Jamison Crowder and Keelan Cole, both being sidelined. So that's, that's tough for me. And Sala doesn't, you know, when he came out, he said a majority of the reps went to Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Barrios. They dominated the reps. Part of his, the sequence of the game, a lot of three and outs, a lot of short drives. But when you look at what Sala has been talking about with Mims, I don't think he 
he wants anything to do with Mims in that in that offense. He wasn't ever a Mims guy. They didn't draft him. This, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think he's falling out of favor a little bit. So for me, like that's the one dynasty asset I think is going to be a sunken asset that you're going to have to hope gets traded to another team. And I think he might get traded to another team before the season goes. Uh, and if he does get traded to another team, you sell him then. You get rid of him off of your roster because I don't see him being any more in the wide receiver three. If that, that's like his ceiling. Excellent options. I mean, we got Saquon Barkley. Don't panic in, in a dynasty. Yeah, Elliott, Don't panic. All right, and sell him in weeks eleven, right? In weeks ten, eleven, and twelve, right? Around there. Yeah, and then Denzel Mims. I couldn't agree more. I mean, <laughs> like you said, I mean, you know, Crowder was gone and Cole was gone. Yet he only played three snaps. Like it was just like Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and whoever else. I mean. And Braxton Berrios. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that Jets offensive line looked as horrible as ever. So, you know, it's going to be tough sledding anyways for this whole Jets offense. So to be a wide receiver three on game day and get three snaps, you know, and then once Crowder comes back, he's going to be a wide receiver four. Once Cole comes back, he's going to be forgotten. Most likely traded or cut or just like, you mm-hmm. know, just – gone afterthought so that so it's disheartening because he's a former second round pick but yeah yeah i mean you know if you have mims oh man that's some tough luck right there yeah that's some tough luck all right let's go to qb streamers uh who do you who are you streaming this week jacob who do do you remember who you had streaming last week did they hit yes i had sam darnold and i had ryan my boy i know sam darnold man your boy yeah yeah and sam darnold hit he uh, he finished uh, with over 20 points in a standard league. Uh, he finished as a quarterback 17, which is actually exactly where I had him ranked. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we didn't get to see if he hit or not because he got hurt early. Uh, so that is super that that is super unfortunate. Uh, but you know, I can say that I'm one zero and one so far. <laughs> so <laughs> this week. This week for my quarterback streamers, I got Jameis Winston at the Carolina Panthers. He is rostered in 48% of sleeper and 44% of Yahoo. So last week, even in a positive game script, Winston was quarterback four. You know, he didn't have a ton of yards, but he had five touchdowns. He looked fantastic. When he was in Tampa Bay, he was only useful because he had to climb back into games where he had already thrown four picks and just needed to claw his way back and have a ton of yardage with a ton of garbage points. But now he's on a Saints offense where he looked, he looked the part. He looked efficient, Uh, you know, like Saints definitely, definitely made the right choice in starting Winston over Hill. Now, Winston is not going to throw a touchdown per every four passes like he did last week. But Winston showed mobility in the pocket and was never overly aggressive like he showed during his time in Tampa. Uh, and, And a bonus is that Taysom Hill only got three touches. So this isn't a quarterback. This isn't a full blown quarterback committee like we were like we were dreading. Okay, this is Winston's team. So with Alvin Kamara in the backfield, along with promising pass catchers, Callaway and Jawan Johnson and Troutman, Winston is my top streamer this week traveling to Carolina and is currently ranked as my quarterback 12 heading into week two. And my second quarterback streamer 
is a guy I expect to bounce back after a rough week one, and that's Big Ben Roethlisberger. He returns home to face a Raiders defense that gave up an eighth worst 263 passing yards per game in 2020. All right, they just allowed Lamar Jackson to throw 235 yards last Monday night, and Lamar only had five games last season total where he threw over 200 yards. Uh, so after after Big Ben, he only threw 188 yards, but it was a very tough matchup in Buffalo. Uh, so I expect a huge bounce back game by not only him, but by the whole Pittsburgh Steelers offense. I think that everyone is going to eat this game. I think that it's going to be a relatively high scoring game. The game total right now, the Steelers and the Raiders total is at 47 and a half. I definitely like the over there because Derek Carr showed that he can score. So I think that they're going to have to match score for score in Pittsburgh. Now, I know that the Steelers' defense is fantastic, but Carr, he scored at will against another fantastic defense in Baltimore. So I think that this is going to be a quietly high-scoring game. I think that Big Ben is going to put up big numbers, and he is actually my quarterback 16 heading into week two. Okay. Now, are you worried at all? I want to. I love the James Winston pick. I think that's a great pick. Ben Roethlisberger, the one thing I am worried about, that offensive line. Are you worried about that offensive line all with that kind of pass rush that we saw from the Raiders last night? Um, or are you just think that the quick offense, quick ball, quick? I do know that the Raiders defense isn't as good as it looked last night. Like I know that, so sure. I, I know they can be suspect to giving up points. But are you worried about that pass rush at all? So you stole my answer there at the end. Like I think that the Raiders have a fantastic pass rush. You know, led by Max Crosby. I mean that that dude is a beast. Okay, <laughs> so so yeah, so he he is going to get into into that backfield, but. Like you said, I think that they're going to draw up quick slants to Johnson, to Claypool, and they're going to get the ball to Najee Harris in space. I think they're going to do things like, you know, much like the Cowboys getting the ball out quick against the Bucks because of their deteriorated offensive line that didn't have Zach Martin. They had to figure out a game plan to get the ball out of Dak's hands quick. And I think that Big Ben is going to get the ball out quick here. I think that Mike Tomlin knows what he needs to do. And I think that Big Ben at home against a Raiders defense. I think that he's going to throw for 300 plus yards and have at least two passing touchdowns. All right. I like it. I think, uh, you know, kind of a prediction here. I think, I think Najee Harris is going to get six targets at least in this game. I think so too. That's great. Yeah. Because of that pass rush. I think they're going to use him in a lot of different ways, try to get that ball out quick, use a lot of screens. Uh, I I can see Najee having a pretty good game with this. Uh, All right. Last segment of the day, we're going to go to our lock of the week and just kind of a little bit of a play on who do we think has just that matchup that we love. Um, unfortunately, Jacob keeps picking guys against my Cowboys, which makes me sad. Uh, but <laughs> uh, especially because I'm going to be there this week, I'm going to the, uh, the to the Chargers Dallas game in LA. Get to go see SoFi Stadium in there. But I'm going to go with mine first, and that's just man. This guy just just keeps doing what he needs to do. David Montgomery, uh, you know his over under rushing yards in Week One was 54. Yeah. He had 108. He had a touchdown. He had obviously had one reception, 10 yards. He had 18 points. You know, he's a solid running back too. Uh, That's what he's going to be. And I think that's it. Now, I think what happened was with Montgomery, people were drafting him as a running back one coming out of college, and Mm -hmm. he's never going to be that top end running back, but he's a very solid option. He's a very good running back. I think that he, he, he's not going to always have that floor as a running back one. I think his floor is running back two, but he will have weeks where he puts up those numbers. And you know what, when you look at what they did, they, they put up, you know, 322 yards of total offense, which isn't great, 
But he has now rushed for at least 69 yards and a touchdown in six straight games, counting back to last Man. year. He's yeah. facing a Bengals defense that gave up the eighth most fantasy points last year. And in what you saw what Dalvin Cook did, Dalvin Cook put up, you know, 20 fantasy points. He had a touchdown, 61 yards. He had seven targets and 43 yards. And we could definitely see that with Montgomery, especially if with check down Dalton there, um, <laughs> yeah. if he's going to stay with play there. I do think that Montgomery can see those targets go up a little bit, especially like we said with Cohen, those other guys there, Damian Williams really didn't make an impact. So it's Monty. Monty's well. So give me Monty this week. I think he's a solid option against that Bengals defense. I love that, dude. I actually had David Montgomery as my RB five in my early ranking. So, as you said, man, he has an he has he has an easy matchup, and plus, it was super impressive in a negative game script. He got over a yeah. hundred yards and a touchdown against a very very good Rams defense. Like that is impressive. So, I love that lock of the week, Kevin. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think that's a good one. Where where are you going with your lock? All right, so. I'm going with Keenan Allen against your boys, Dallas Cowboys, man. I just, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, they just gave up 379 passing yards to Tom Brady. Justin Herbert still had a decent game against in, in a very difficult matchup against the Washington football team. And now he gets to go back home and face the Dallas Cowboys, who I'm sorry that I keep picking on them, Kevin, but I love anyone who goes against the Cowboys because I know that's going to be an offensive fireworks show. So you're going to watch a good one there, Kevin, because, I mean, I can see this game getting in the 30s for both teams. I mean, like the over-under, wherever it's at, hit the over because it's going to like it's gonna be fireworks. And I think that Keenan Allen, you know, he, he is going to benefit greatly from that. He's going to post wide receiver – one numbers at the least. And I actually have him as my top five guy this week. He's at wide receiver five uh, for me in my early rankings last week in a tough matchup. uh, Keenan Allen saw 13 targets and hauled in nine of those for a hundred yards again against a very tough Washington defense. Imagine what he can do against the Dallas Cowboys defense, you know, where they're going to have to match score for score with Dak. Dak versus Herbert is going to be so much fun. And I want a piece of that action. I know that Keenan Allen, he's going to put up, he's going to put up at least top 10 numbers. I have him putting up top five numbers, and he's my lock of the week. Yeah, that's a good pick. I think that it's going to be a shootout, and you're going yes. to have to. I, I think Allen's going to have a great game. Um, I'm hoping that the over under for points in this game is 55. I think you take the over. Over. Um, I it's going 65. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Hopefully, I'm there. Hopefully, yeah. we pull it out in the end. Um, but I think this is going to be there. So there's our locks of the week, David Montgomery and Keenan Allen. And, again, we just hope that you had – you know, I hope you had a great week this week in fantasy. Yeah. And, as always, you can always check us out. Find us on Twitter. You can find me at Boys underscore 22. You can find Jacob at ain't, at ain't done yet. <laughs> so it's a great name. I love it. It always blows my eye out of the water. Uh, Jacob, you got anything else before we get out of here? Man, I just want to say, guys, if you won or you lost in week one, don't worry. It's a super long season, and we are here to help you. So if you have specific questions, DM us or just keep listening because we want to help you win week two, week three, week four. And then we want to help you ultimately win that ship. So keep listening, keep asking questions, and good luck in week two. And we still got 17 weeks left, guys. I mean, 16 weeks left. This is a long season, an extra game. So hang in there. We'll see you guys next time. We appreciate you tuning in. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button.